This is Toastcaster, podcast for Toastmasters. Your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 69, How Toastmasters Helps Authors, with guest Rick Lobber. Hello and welcome everyone to the latest edition of Toastcaster podcast for Toastmasters. We have another special guest today. We have Rick Lauber. He's a published author for Caregiver's Guide for Canadians and also a follow-up book, The Successful Caregiver's Guide. He's also a published contributor in Two Chicken Soup for the Soul books. He's also been featured on a number of television and radio programs. He's also a publicist, a freelance writer, and a former Toastmaster. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, first of all, congratulations on your books. I understand that Caregiver's Guide for Canadians has hit number one on Amazon.ca, and it seems to be there up in the top ten. And also the Successful Caregiver's Guide, which I understand is for your U.S. audience. Just to start off, maybe tell us a little bit about your book, Rick. A little bit of background? Sure. I was a former co-caregiver for both my own aging parents uh, a number of years ago. Uh, my mother had Parkinson's uh, disease and leukemia. My dad had Alzheimer's disease. From that time, I assumed a whole number of new responsibilities for my parents, banking, driving them to doctor's appointments, moving them repeatedly, becoming dad's joint guardian and an alternate trustee. A lot of that was unexpected. Um, I was very unprepared, as many caregivers are. You know, it was a very stressful time. So one of my coping mechanisms was writing. This was something I'd always uh, enjoyed doing and was told I did it quite well. So I wrote a lot about what was going on uh, at the time, what I was experiencing, and and a lot of that uh, writing became published in local newspapers and magazines. I just kept that even after mom and dad died. You know, I, I knew there was something there that I wasn't the only person that was a caregiver or would ever be a caregiver took my information and I approached a publisher, Self Council Press out of North Vancouver. They loved the topic idea, they loved the subject matter and, and offered me a contract for a book. And the first book was published in 2010. I've now got a second edition out uh, and, and as you mentioned, I now have a follow-up for the U.S. market as well, which is wonderful. Oh, that's excellent. I wish I had a situation where I was a caregiver for my for my late dad. And I know I have I've read through the book, and some of it I would have known. I mean, I learned a lot the hard way. It's some of its information that I wish I would have known back then would have made my life a lot easier. So one of the things, of course, of being a published author is that you have to get out there and promote your book. You need to talk to the media. You need to talk to a lot of individuals. Now, I know that you had mentioned that you had joined Toastmasters, but you joined Toastmasters even before you had written your book. So maybe perhaps share with us, why did you join Toastmasters? Good question, Greg. I I think I joined Toastmasters for the same reason that many people do, which was to increase my self-confidence with public speaking. Public speaking, as you're well aware of, is is one of the worst fears that anybody has. There's something about standing up in front of an audience and, and sharing and talking that's very fearful. I'm no exception. I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm far more comfortable in front of my own computer at home by myself than I am in front of a group. You know, and I, I wanted to change that. So that's what led me to Toastmasters. I thought this is a good opportunity to, to practice and improve public speaking uh, in a safe and supportive environment. 
Can you give us a specific example as to how Toastmasters has helped you? I think for the most part, Toastmasters has helped me with increasing my own self-confidence, with more so with promoting my books now after the fact, with being in front of an audience, talking to Toastmasters groups and doing speeches. There was certainly no doubt that my self-confidence grew, and I was able to take that into the outside world and, and, and use that confidence to help promote my work. Uh, you know, as an example, uh, one of the things I do now frequently is our book signings uh, at local bookstores. At one time, I was nervous to pick up the phone and, and call a bookstore, introduce myself to the manager, and, and even suggest this as an opportunity. And, and now it's no problem. I've, I've found that bookstores welcome visiting authors, and in fact, it's a, it's a joy to do it. So what was it like doing that first book signing? Were you fearful with all the people coming to you to fr- at the front of the store? Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I, I felt like I was in a fishbowl. And, uh, you know, they had me set up right by the front door, so there was no escaping. Uh, you know, I was, felt like a greeter for a major department store, you know, people coming in. And, and I had to, uh, you know, acknowledge each one coming in and, and say hello and, and somehow hopefully grab their attention for at least 30 seconds for them to come over to my table and, and start talk to me. And, and I can use that time to introduce my book and, and hopefully interest them in that. I bet you a few people came up to you just asking you where something was in the store, did they? <laughs> uh, yes, that's part of it. Um, I frequently do get uh, mistaken for a bookstore staffer, and, and, and that's fine. That's to be expected. Uh, you know, one of the things I've learned with doing bookstore signings is to familiarize myself at least to a degree with the bookstore and where certain sections are because I do get frequently asked where's the kids section or where can I find an atlas or or, or whatever so it, it does help to you know know a little bit about the store's layout for sure. It really puts your table topics experience into play doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, table topics is all about ad living and, uh, and speaking off the cuff. You know, I usually am quite able to tell us, you know, laugh it off and to explain that. Well, I'm just visiting here. I, you know, I'm not a permanent staffer, but <laughs> here's what I know. Well, people understand. You've done a number of interviews to promote your book. What's uh, what's that like? Tell us about the first experience you've had and how it's moved forward from there. Interviews are. A whole different experience, a whole different kettle of fish. You know, I remember my first television interview with with Global News. I was paranoid going in there. Um, you know, talking to somebody on television uh, in front of a television camera uh, with the lights, the bright lights. It was nerve wracking, and uh, I prepared. I you know, I went in there as confident as I could be. I, I arrived early to to not not rush and help help myself relax as much as possible. I think I even remember placing my hands in my lap and keeping them there so I wouldn't I I wouldn't talk excessively with my hands and wave them around because I do have a bad habit with doing that. <laughs> well, it's the natural gestures that you learn. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. I think that, which project is that? Is that project number five or project number six in the Competent Communicator Manual? I can't remember which one it was. 
I'm not sure, but yeah, with uh, dealing with props or, or hand gestures, uh, you know, they can add to a speech. Like I said, I'm very comfortable using my hands, often use them too much. Having been interviewed a number of times, I know it's happened a few times where I'm in the middle of answering a question, I can't remember what the question was, or sometimes you're not sure where to look. Although I've quickly discovered is that you just look at the person who's interviewing you, <laughs> let the camera do its job. I was going to say you went from being a writer to being a speaker, but that's not exactly the case. You've become a speaker because of the need to promote your writing. How does writing differ from speaking? I think when you're writing, you have the benefit or you have the opportunity to share more extensively. You know, if you're writing a book, uh, you can ramble on to a great detail about certain issues or a character, develop a character in, in more detail. Uh, you know, with speaking, you need to be more concise, brief, and more to the point, I think, because you will lose people's interest far quicker, I think, than, than with a piece of writing. Writing and speaking different that way, certainly easier, or it has been easier for me to share through writing, because that is more private, that's more than, obviously, speaking, uh, speaking at a podium. So there's a couple of couple of different ways, and hopefully I answered the question. So Rick, having been a writer and now moving on to speaking or doing a lot more speaking because of writing, have you noticed a difference in terms of the way you develop and tell your stories? Yes. First and foremost, as a writer, you've got the opportunity to share in more detail with written words. Uh, with speaking, you certainly have to be more brief and to the point, otherwise you're going to lose people's attention. With writing and being familiar with writing and being comfortable with writing, first and foremost, that is how I naturally expressed myself as a speaker when it came to that next step. I remember back to my first speech, my, my, my self-introduction. It went fairly well overall, but my evaluator at the time pointed out that I sounded very much like I was, it was a scripted speech, which is what it was. I mean, I was, I did have my entire speech written out in front of me and I was reading it, trying not to look down at my notes too much, but that's what I was doing. And that's what it came across as it sounded okay, but it sounded scripted and it was like a narration. So I think over the course of time through Toastmasters, through practice, through uh, you know, through having the opportunity to, to speak uh, both in public and, and casually, you know, I've, I've certainly become more comfortable with just speaking far more naturally, and I think it comes across far more naturally as well. It sounds like you had some good evaluators. I did. I had some excellent evaluators. That is one big part of Toastmasters. Every speaker has an evaluator, and those evaluators provide constructive criticism and manageable criticism to improve and that is one thing I really appreciated uh, you know as a speaker you have no idea what you look like or how you sound when you're standing in front of an audience and and presenting you know unless you have somebody videotaping you and you can go back and listen to it or watch yourself later with an evaluator watching you in the audience and listening to you that person can provide excellent, excellent feedback uh, to you after you're completed. That's super. 
So as a writer, Toastmasters has helped you develop your speaking skills to go out and promote your books and talk to your audience. How has Toastmasters, or if it has, has Toastmasters helped you with your writing? Have we come full circle? I think it has. Toastmasters has given me the opportunity to, I think, explore and develop uh, my speech writing skills, uh, you know, which was something, an area that I hadn't really looked at in great detail before. Speech writing is a, is a whole different matter than book writing, um, you know, requiring a different skill and a different approach. So certainly help me with that. The very fact of writing on a regular basis, you know, no matter what you're writing, can help a, a writer to always improve. Speech writing, that's interesting because it sounds like because of your book, you're going to be having more speaking opportunities, not just media interviews, but perhaps going out and talking to groups. Oh, definitely, Greg, definitely. Uh, it's, uh, it's really opened up the, uh, the doors for speaking opportunities for me. I've been asked by numerous groups to talk to them, um, to talk to the members about uh, caregiving and about my whole uh, journey as a caregiver, which is wonderful. And I think there's going to be more opportunities to share and, and to talk uh, publicly, which, which I'm certainly open to doing. What are some of the places that you've spoken to or where, where, where would be an ideal audience for you to speak to? I started, I remember starting with uh, local rotary groups which were, uh, you know, smaller groups, which I was more comfortable with. They were an older audience as well, which was perfect for me because I was talking about caregiving for seniors. You know, I've also talked at seniors associations in, in town here, uh, the likes of SAGE, uh, you know, uh, West Edmonton Seniors Activity Center, Central Lions, uh, those, those type of places. The, I think the door is open for other speaking opportunities. It's a matter of I have to find them and have to approach them. It sounds like it's opening up a lot more doors for you, not to mention I'm sure that the feedback would probably be of interest for possibly a potential f- future book, I guess. <laughs> I get feedback even from these speaking sessions. I recall being invited to speak at a an Alzheimer's Cafe uh, you know, which I've done a couple of times by now, and it's a great experience. But one of the things I appreciate is how the organizer at that time emailed me back with the comments from the audience. And, you know, it really gave me a good perspective as to how my presentation was received. It was positive, but it was very uh, wonderful to hear that as well. I assume that the comments were mostly on the commentary or on the comments or on the content rather than your vocal variety and gestures, or did you get some of that too? Mostly dealing with content. I I remember hearing a number of, uh, reading a number of comments from from people who had appreciated my truth and honesty. They realized that I had been through the process and, you know, what I was talking about was close to my heart, which is... I think which is a very important for speakers to do, to talk about what they know. Also very important for writers to write about what they know as well. I don't, I don't know if anybody commented on you know, <laughs> my, my hand gestures or my vocal variety or anything. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but you know, that's just the way it is. I had to throw that in. It was just funny. I was thinking, okay, there's, maybe there's a Toastmaster in that group. It's a possibility. <laughs> well, you know... <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, I was just kidding. I think if you read through the book, you'll see it's it's pretty obvious that you've put heart and soul 
into the book, not just out there giving people a step-by-step guide in terms of caregiving, but you can tell that there's passion in, in the words. And if you can take that passion and you can share it with your audience, not only are you going to sell more books, which obviously is, is part of the reason what you're doing it, but also just to share some of that wisdom that you have, because I think that's pretty important. Yeah, passion, passion is a good, uh, is an excellent word, something very important to bring to your own writing or to your own speaking. You know, when you are passionate about something, when you're writing about it or whether you're speaking about it, people will know. They realize that. Readers are not dumb. They will understand and they will see that you are a true believer with what you're talking about and they'll stay with you. You've talked about speaking in front of groups. You've also spoken about speaking on television, on interviews and radio, etc. Are there any tips that you can perhaps give some Toastmasters, some individuals who are thinking of potentially sharing their writing or letting the media know or going in front of groups? What are some of the tips? you have a couple of thoughts that you can leave them with? Certainly. Um, For approaching the media, I found one of the most effective tools out there is a press release. And you can either create one of these yourself, or if you have a publicist, he or she can do that for you as well. You know, the press release will you know share your message and and hopefully interest somebody in the media to to give you a call and to invite you in for an interview. You know, one of the best things about press releases for me when they're most effective is if I time them in accordance to something that's going on, say around Christmas, you know, I propose a story or an interview surrounding the difficulties of being a caregiver at Christmas. And media likes that. It's a timely story and, and you know, that idea has worked. The, the interview itself, I would say, be prepared, be as comfortable and natural and relaxed as possible. Probably the most difficult type of interview, at least for me, has been television interviews. I still don't like them because I still don't like TV cameras. But uh, you mentioned this earlier, Greg, and it's a great tip is to, when you are being interviewed on TV, look directly at your interviewer. Do not worry about what the TV camera is doing. It's going to float all around your head and and they'll get (laughs) close-ups and everything. Don't concern yourself with that. Look straight ahead. Focus on your interviewer. You should be fine. I'm sure sometimes you get the same question asked time and time again. Do you actually practice and rehearse ahead of time answers to those questions? Uh, I do. That helps. Uh, You know, I get the same question uh, from media. I get the same question a lot of times from the public when I meet them at bookstore signings. And, yeah, part of that is is having your elevator pitch ready, your 30-second pitch to explain your book. You know, you want that to come across sounding natural and smooth. That's important in a a live interview as well. I got two last questions for you. The first question is, what do you think is the most difficult question you've been asked so far? I would say maybe the most difficult question I've been asked so far is why did I write the book? Why did I write my books? A lot of that has to do with, it comes from my own caregiving experience, you know, with my parents. It was difficult because... I have shared something very personal and very close to my heart. Talking about those memories uh, and those times when caregiving for my mother and my father brings up a lot of memories, and those are good memories, and I think it's important to continue remembering and honoring my parents as I do, 
but there is a, a tinge of regret about that whole time. It sounds like you've given a wonderful tribute to your parents by doing this. It's also interesting because you just gave another example of how speaking differs from writing. When you have the writing, it's you got the words there. Speaking's very different. Rick, the last question I'm going to ask you is, where can people get a hold of you? Where can they find your books? My books are, my Canadian book, Caregiver's Guide for Canadians, is available on Amazon.ca. It's also available in national chapters and indigo bookstores across the country. The U.S. book, The Successful Caregiver's Guide, is on Amazon.com and in Barnes & Noble bookstores south of the border. I do have a, an author website of RickLauber.com, R-I-C-K-L-A-U-B-E-R.com. Probably to reach me directly, people are welcome to email me, and they can reach me at cdncaregiver, cdncaregiver at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter at uh, cdncaregiver, uh, Canadian Caregiver. Rick Lauber, once again, congratulations on the success of your books. Thank you very much for spending the time talking with us about how writing and speaking differ and sharing your examples and just putting it out there. I understand sometimes how difficult it can be. (laughs) It's been my pleasure, uh, Greg. Thank you very much for the time. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies, a new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com.